Drunk humor, funny. Pot humor, Sweaty, funny. Big red nose. Cocaine humor, not funny. And I don't even know if the, is there heroin humor. I don't think there is. No. Travel back in time to the eighties, reliving the laughter. <laughs> the heroes. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. And the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples. It's freezing out there. <laughs> Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. And today, a conversation with former Saturday Night Live fixture and current star of Weeds, Kevin Nealon. The ball itself has its own energy, or life force, if you will. Its natural environment is in the home. With me, as always, I hate to say this, I really do. He's the Hans (laughs) to my Franz. You love it. Times pop music critic, Sean Daly. You pumped me up, baby. You pumped me up. Yes, we were very excited about this one. Kevin Nealon, as you're about to hear, gives us a great interview. We're very NPR-ish in this interview. I was listening. We're like so like, it's funny. It's a funny interview, but we're also very solemn and we're somewhat professional. I was startled by our professionalism. You know what it is? I'll tell you, because Kevin Nealon is whip smart. He is incredibly smart. And he's very, he's serious. And and he he was nice enough to get up at the crack of dawn to talk to us. Right. And so I kind of felt like, well, we can't really be jackasses. Yeah. But we I, can. I didn't but, shout at all. I screamed. I no, shouted. No, no, it's good. We were under um, control. Anyway, Kevin Nealon has, it's, you, know, you could actually play six degrees of Kevin Nealon in Hollywood. I mean, he's been in so many uh, movies on so many TV shows, nine seasons. God. In that snake pit, as you say, that is Saturday Night Live. You know, of course, you know, uh, buddies with Adam Sandler and Happy Gilmore. We we ask him about that. You know, his uh, some of his catchphrases, and it's just a great interview. And he's just a really smart guy. And you know, Hollywood is obviously such a brutal place. You know, dog eat dog. But this is a guy that has just lasted. And in talking to him, you kind of get the sense that he's so even keeled, very funny, even keeled, professional. Up at 8 a.m. his time to do an interview. You kind of understand now why he, he lasted so long. Yeah, he's, he's, um, he's somebody who, in an era where everyone's going nuts and crazy, has just managed to, to toe the line and, um, and still be incredibly talented. And people always remember him. I, I would love to be Kevin Nealon and walk down the street and have people come up to me and do Hans and Franz. Or, and, I, and I, this is a theory I've had from, I have a theory about Supertramp. <laughs> I, I, I have a theory about Kevin Nealon too. Nobody. Can can properly imitate um, his sketch uh, of Mister Subliminal. It's impossible. You come across him like a so jagoff. Yeah. If you try to, to imitate that character, he talks about Mister Subliminal in the uh, in the interview. He talks about Hans and Franz. He talks about Happy Gilmore. You got weed stuff. Does he really smoke pot in real life? You got to listen to find out. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's crank it up. Here is the stuck in the eighties interview with Mister Kevin Nealon. Hey, Kevin, can you hear me? I can. Awesome. This is Sean Daly. I'm a pop culture writer at the Tampa Bay Times. How are you today? Good. Good. How are you doing, Sean? Good. Hey, um, I got to ask, where are you right now? I'm in Los Angeles. 
It's 8 o'clock in the morning in Los Angeles, Kevin Neal, and you're a Hollywood star. What are you doing up so early? Oh, I've been up for two and a half hours. What? Yeah, I have a five-year-old. So, oh, man. Uh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so I've I'm been, on your time right now. Yeah, my gosh. I have an eight and a four-year-old, two daughters, so I know the early morning thing, but, yeah. you're, but you're living the life, and I'm not. That's the thing. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know if you call this the life. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm living it. Yeah. You like being a dad? I do like being a dad. It's uh, it's really it's my prime focus is being a dad. It's uh, it's great, and I know how quick it's going to go by, so I'm appreciating every minute of it. You know. Did you ever have that kind of Samson thing, like when they cut off Samson's hair, he loses power? Like when did you ever have that fear, like before you became a dad, like you had all this success and stuff like that, and like somehow it was going to like sap your power? <laughs> I did when I was younger. That's why I waited so long to have a kid. I'm, I was 52 when I had uh, when my son was born. So I waited a while because I was afraid of that. I was afraid of getting a girl pregnant for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> I, I have no idea where to go with that. You know, <laughs> I have. I'm I'm the realization of that fear. Hey, listen. On um, uh, I guess uh, last year we interviewed Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers on the show, and he was talking about how he always gets recognized for um, for Happy Gilmore. And I wonder how often does somebody come up to you on the street and say, uh, doing the bull dance, feeling the flow. <laughs> You know what, I, I do, I've done so many different things that are kind of catchy. You know, and Happy Gilmore, it's, it's a lot of that when I'm golfing. If I'm in a golf pro-am tournament yeah. or something, people yell out, you know, feel the flow, you know, be the ball. Yeah, right, <laughs> that's right. I said, you know, circular, harness the good, block the bad. <laughs> and then, then I have people, you know, like that know me as Mr. Cheezel from um, oh, Grandma's right. Boy. Yeah. You know, so they're always quoting that or you know, Saturday Night Live stuff. So I'm, I'm kind of always reminded of the stuff I've done by people quoting stuff. Do you love that? Except when you're about to tee off, do you usually love when someone's shouting out? <laughs> yeah. It's nice. You know, it's, yeah, I don't mind it. The problem I have is like when drunk people come up to me and they're just blabbering away and you can smell the alcohol in their breath and they're not listening to anything you say. You know, that's, that's kind of annoying. Is, isn't that happening a lot though? I mean, does it, it seems like that would happen a lot after a comedy show, after one of your stand-up gigs. Yeah, it happens sometimes during that. But for the most part, I, I bring in a pretty uh, sensible crowd. I was asking uh, some club owner once, I said, um, how do you know, you know how much to stock up for on different items when a comic's coming in? He goes, you know, it's funny. When you have like the, some you know, blue-collar comedy coming in, they have to stock up on more beer and, uh, and chicken wings. And uh, if you have, like say, an Urban Act, it's, um, it's more like Quavassier and cognac things like that and with my crowd it's more of a wine drinking crowd yeah oh, interesting yeah I, I was watching some uh some clips on youtube the other day and you had that great bit about you know your, your weeds has been such a huge success for you and uh, about how these people come up to you and offer you pot even yeah. though you're not a pot smoker right yeah, right. Is yeah that... a lot of people offer me well not a lot of people but occasionally people offer me pot and I explain to them that I don't smoke pot, and um, and they're surprised because they think because I'm on a show I'm a big pothead. Like I get a lot of um, I get a lot of letters and emails from um, people from the hemp society and um, you know marijuana um, you know advocates, and they think because I'm on a show I'm I'm a big advocate, and and I'm, you know I just don't I'm not involved in any of that stuff. <laughs> you know I'm just an actor playing this role. But yeah, I've been offered a lot of stuff. <laughs> But what we smoke on there is a, it's, it's a honey rose herb. It's not even pot, you know. So I, I would think I'd be getting like 
calls from the Honey Rose Herb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is that like a clove cigarette? Is that you're like a 16 year old girl smoking a clove cigarette? Yeah, well, it's a honey rose herb. I don't know what they put in clove, but um, or if that is an herb itself. But um, yeah, it's um, it's an herb, but it's not as innocent as it sounds. We get it from the honey rose herb cartel in Colombia. <laughs> so I'm guessing it's probably non-addictive. That's why you use it. No, it's not addictive, but you know, it, it is smoke, so it kind of makes you lightheaded. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I asked our TV critic. I mean, yesterday I was telling him that we were going to talk to you, and and, and he said. Um, and he was explaining to me the whole idea that you guys are probably smoking cloves or some sort of herb. And I, he said um, he, his theory is that no, no, no actor can really play stoned or even play drunk when they're under the influence. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, don't, I was just hearing about somebody. Oh, I was listening to what I was reading. I was reading the, um, um, I think it was um, Rob Lowe's book. You know? Oh, yeah, just put out. All right. And I don't know if it was him or somebody else who was saying that they were playing somebody. Um, no, maybe it wasn't even that book. I don't know. I'm fogging up on this one. But somebody said that they are actually. I bet a lot of those actors back in the 40s and 50s used to play drunk all the time while they're actually drunk. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. I remember. Um Anyway, uh, I wanted to say uh, real quick, you're going to be at Treasure Island, uh, in beautiful Treasure Island, on May 18th, Friday, May 18th, for all our uh, our local listeners. And uh, why, you know, here you are, so su- successful in like TV and, and and film. Why do you still hang with the uh, the stand up? Well, I love stand up comedy. It's what I started off doing. And uh, funny enough, some people don't even know that I do stand up comedy. Uh, but it's really what I started off doing, and the acting came secondary. I, I loved uh, doing the clubs and theaters, and I loved just the craft of stand-up. And I started before Saturday Night Live. You know, I was doing The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and Letterman, all those shows. And, and I never stopped doing it, even during the hiatus weeks on Saturday Night Live and Weeds. And in between that, I always, always have done stand-up. It's really my, my passion and my forte. Is there something that stand-up gives you, like uh, some sort of, you know, like a sensation that, say, your acting work doesn't? Yeah, well, there is that immediate gratification of hearing the audience, or you know, when you're TV or film, you have to wait for a long time, and you're not really sure what you just did was connecting with the audience or not. But with the stand-up, you're you're right up there, you're in with the audience, you're you're like one one unit. All of you got, you know, we're all together, and we're like in an elevator, and it's it's a fun ride, and um, and I have control over it, and I do what I want to do, and I pick the places I want to go to, so. Yeah, I love, uh, I love I love stand-up. Um, I think you, you first did Carson in, in 84, right? You did The Tonight Show in 84. That was your, your network television debut. Did you get the invite to the couch on Carson? I did, actually, yeah. Well, there you yeah. go. Awesome. Yeah, he called me over, and that was, that was, that was probably the, the, the biggest natural high I've ever had was doing The Tonight Show, more so than anything on Saturday Night Live or Weeds. Because as a stand-up, once you do The Tonight Show, it's like passing your bar exam as right. a lawyer. It validates you, and um, and with Johnny there, and you know, just sitting and talking to Johnny, I remembered, you know, like it was yesterday, just sitting on that couch. But after doing that show and before it aired later that night, I've never been on a more natural high, just floating on 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 air, just you know, knowing I did well, and he called me over to the couch. I mean, nothing, nothing could be better than that. Right. Where does uh, joining was it, was it a couple of years later that you would join uh, SNL? Where does that rank as far as your list of uh, natural highs? Well, that's right up there too. You know, to be on a show like Saturday Night Live, which was such an institution, and to live in New York City and work with all those different people was just—it uh, was a thrill. And 
you know, I, I know some people go on that show and they complain about it because it's so competitive and, you know, they're not happy with it. But I knew what it was. I, I didn't have any expectations because, first of all, I never thought I would be on a show like that because I was a stand-up. I didn't do sketches or characters. And um, and so when I got on there, I didn't expect a lot. I just, you know, wanted to keep my job and, and be there and learn and grow with the show. And that's what I did. I stayed there for nine seasons and just had a, had a great time. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, nine seasons, I, I don't know if that's a record, but it, sh- it, sh- it seems like it should be. That's that For a show that's known so much as a snake pit of stress. He- yeah, it was a record for a while, I think. But no, Daryl Hammond's been there probably 23 years. <laughs> but it was, it's, it's as much stress as you put on yourself. You know, because each week you have a great opportunity to come up with a character or a catchphrase or whatever to score big. And if you don't, you feel like you missed a great opportunity. So I think that's where a lot of the stress comes from. People put the stress on themselves. You know, they beat themselves up for you know not scoring one week. But it's more of a marathon than a sprint. When um, when you came up with the idea for Mr. Subliminal, was that a hard sell to the to the cast and writers, or did they immediately get it? No, they totally got it. And um, I remember right before going on to do that sketch, this was my first sketch ever on Saturday Night Live, and it was it was nerve wracking because it's like having two conversations at once, and. Um, they have cue cards there, so they had you know they always have cue cards around the actors. So when you're doing that, you, you're looking at a lot of different words and uh, conversations. <laughs> so I had mine mostly memorized. But I remember just before I went out, you know, I mean seconds before coming back from commercial, and Lauren tapped me on the shoulder and he said, "Now this is my first sketch." He goes, "Are you sh- now? Are you sure this is what you want?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, wasn't there going to be a Hans and Franz movie? Yeah, we wrote a musical. It was a positive <laughs> promise, the girly, the girly man dilemma. And um, I wrote it with Conan O'Brien and Robert Smigel, who was also another writer on Saturday Night Live. Conan was a writer on Saturday Night Live at the time, and, and Dana Carvey. And uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was co-producing it with us, and he was going to co-star in it. And it came out fantastic. It was a hilarious musical. <laughs> when I say musical, there was maybe, you know, like five songs in there, six songs. And, um, but... What happened was we got it written and we sold it to um, Sony. And I guess last, last Action Hero, one of Arnold's other movies, came out where he was parodying himself. So he, I think he got cold feet. Uh, oh, I was going to say that's it's, like money in the bank. I know. And Robert Smigel is insult or, or a triumph, the insult comic dog, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's a great writer. He's so prolific. So you know, but it kind of, um, in a way, it kind of protects those characters where there just wasn't some random quick comedy film done about them and if it was bad it would have kind of killed the characters you know yeah and also snl is where you and adam became close right that's right i saw adam sandler uh before he was even on that show i was i went over to the uh, comic strip live and saw him performing i just happened to see him there i didn't know who he was and you know he was just starting out sort of and uh and afterwards uh we walked together for a few blocks to the catch a rising star and he was just totally uh awestruck because I was on Saturday Night Live and he was a fan and he was going to NYU at the time. So the next day he told all his buddies that he, he met me and <laughs> how excited he was. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so then he came on the show and uh, frequently did uh, Weekend Update with his characters and uh, and we just kind of uh, bonded. Didn't it, want to do it. Is, it. is it kind of a boys club when you're doing an Adam Sandler movie? It just seems like he gets his best friends together and they just have a blast for a few months. And some respect it is. He has uh, a lot of the usual guys uh, in this film, but also brings in different people each time, too. 
I was watching these old uh, documentary on Charlie Chaplin, and Charlie Chaplin did the same thing. He had a lot of the same actors in each of his films. Wow, I didn't know that. I didn't either. It's, it's, uh, there's a great um, tape that's out, a DVD called um, Unknown Chaplin, and it really shows how he works and, and uh, shows a lot of his outtakes, which he wanted to have burned, but one of the editors didn't burn them, and so you kind of got to learn about how he worked. You know, Chaplin was a more uh, was a pretty physical, you know, uh, comedian. Where you're more of a cerebral guy. Who were some of your comedy heroes when you were growing up? I loved Andy Kaufman. I loved uh, Steve Martin, even though he was kind of broad. But at least they were they were so original and unique. And I liked Albert Brooks. And then there was other comics like uh, a guy named Stanley Myron Handelman that I liked. He was more of the cerebral guy. And I liked guys like uh, Stephen Wright and uh, Mitch Hedberg. Well, you always had, uh, you know, you kind of like a slight audience discomfort. Like your thing is like you, you sometimes you would hang with a joke just to see, you know, what it would turn into. And I remember I, I, I love you with that, especially on Weekend Update, you know, and I kind of yeah. kind of see that Andy Kaufman a bit, too. In that. Yeah, yeah. I think so much has been done in the comedy world and as far as material and there's so much um, audience psychology when you're dealing with a group of people or just with comedy in general, that it's fun to kind of explore and push the envelope a little bit and see what really is funny. I think Annie Kaufman did that the best. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was just watching the movie um, that was shot uh, with Jim Carrey playing Andy Kaufman. Yeah, Man on the Moon. Man on the Moon. And I, for the life of me, I could not... I mean, I was pretty young when Andy Kaufman was, was, was on TV all the time, so I was trying to understand Andy Kaufman. But I understand you ran into him one time and had like a chance encounter with him that was... Pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I ran into him a lot. He used to come down to the improv, which I was a bartender at the improv in Hollywood uh, when I was first starting out for two years. So I got to meet a lot of comics, and I was actually there on the scene for a lot of it. And Andy Kaufman would come in and perform, and I used to watch him in the back room through a little peephole upstairs in the office. And because um, the room was so packed, you couldn't get in. And um, and then one day I was out front, and he was out front, and um, I knew he was involved in um, TM. In meditation, right. and I asked him about that, and I really asked him about the right subject because he talked like for an hour nonstop about TM and and all that stuff, and uh, and I just kind of was wasn't listening to him, I was just looking at his face. And yeah, right. Holes and things like that. Yeah. So, uh, well, so weeds has been huge. Now, you guys are about to shoot. Uh, was this season seven, six, season eight? Yeah, season, season eight. eight. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a good run. Who, who would have known? I mean, you do a pilot, and hopefully it goes, and hope, you hope that it lasts at least a few years, but this is uh, almost as long as I've been on Saturday Night Live. You know, TV these days is kind of taking on this new thing, especially with social media, where everyone's weighing in. You know, everyone's yeah. a critic now, and so Weeds is one of these shows where you guys are just, you know, plot lines and, you know, are just picked over. Do you pay attention to all that, all the chatter from fans? Um, you hear some of it, it, but it doesn't mean that much to me now because I've been doing this for so long that, you know, um, some people love it, some people, you know, fell away from it, some come back. When a show is on for that long, you have, you know, it's like peaks and valleys. Right. I, I read on your website that you shot a pilot for a new sitcom called Isabel. Well, what can you tell us about that? Isabel is a, a real funny half-hour single-camera show. It's... Um, I play the father. My wife is played by uh, Marsha Gay Harden, who's a great actress, very yeah. funny. And we have three kids, and it's a normally TV dysfunctional family, but our youngest daughter is named Isabel, and she has these incredible mental uh, um, capabilities 
where she could smell numbers and communicate with people in comas. And um, so that mixed in with the, the rest of our dysfunctions is really funny. <laughs> wow. <laughs> when, when do we get a chance to see that? Um, hopefully um, this fall. We'll, we'll find out in another week or so if it's going to get picked up. Excellent. That's well, cool. In the meantime, we can't wait to see you here uh, down here in sunny Florida. Thanks, you guys. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, May 18th Island sounds and like, uh, I'm going to come away with some treasures. There you go. <laughs> Wear your pirate the garb. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks, Kevin. All right. Thanks, you guys. All right. Thanks, bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. And we're back. I love it. So professional. When did we become professional? Hello, gentlemen. <laughs> I, I felt like we were at a science lecture at, at times. It was so mellow. Like the whole thing has this like this high. That's the that's the theme of yeah, the show. Natural, both high. natural and THC induced. I, like we sound like yeah, Kevin. You, you know, it's funny. I mean, Weeds is such a popular show now, and um, it's. <sighs> To the cult, the comedy involving marijuana seems to kind of come, come and go. I mean, well, see, I, when we were kids, Cheech and Chong was big. Pot jokes I find funny. Right. Cocaine humor, not funny. Why? Ever. I, 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 you've said this a million times. <laughs> you're fascinated but, but you've never by explained this. it. I don't know. I just, marijuana seems so, I don't give, I don't really give a crap about the whole legalization Is it the thing. Lynn Bias thing? Do you think that's the limit? No, it's it's not. Well, first, I know if I ever did, if I ever tried cocaine, my heart would instantly explode. So that kind of keeps yeah. me on the straight now. I don't know. I just don't find it. It's not like it was always like kind of like this glamour drug. There's no cocaine humor. It's not. It's Wait, not when Chevy funny, Chase levitates around the table, modern prop. I like it. That's not funny. But that's like voodoo dust or something like that. That's not supposed to necessarily. I don't know. I don't like. I don't, I don't think it's. But, do you but, think cocaine humor is funny? I, I don't find, find it, it crass. I think. Cocaine, it's like ugly drug. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, See, the, the trouble is, and maybe this is it, I've never tried cocaine. Yeah. So I've tried lots of pot. And so I kind of know, oh, he's, that's a funny stoned routine there. You know, yeah. I, I get it, you know. But cocaine, I don't, I, because I've, I've tried never tried pot, it. I've tried pot, and I've told you I'm paranoid. Yeah. Like, everyone's a lizard. <laughs> I'm in the bathroom crying, like, oh, yeah, I'll do something. <laughs> One little, <laughs> so cold and scared. <laughs> really, I'm terrible. So maybe that's. I mean, I'm not going to try cocaine just so I can get cocaine. I'm a here. glorious drunk. Oh, you'll love my company when I'm drinking. You get but no. red. Your face gets red, like an apple red. <laughs> shiny, real <laughs> shiny. <laughs> Your nose glows like friggin' what, Rudolph. What, what am I, WC Fields? You all are. of a sudden, if you, I can tell a photo of you drunk from a mile away. Drunk humor, funny. Pot humor, sweaty, funny. big red nose. Cocaine mm. humor. Not funny, and I don't even know if the, is there heroin humor. I don't think there is. No, um, no, that might be the unfunniest drug of them all. Yeah, wow! All of a sudden, we've become a PSA. <laughs> uh, anyway, Listen, uh, there you go. A great interview with Kevin Nealon. Alas, no seggies this week. We wanted to get that show to you right away. You know, we but- asked for thirty correct answers for each seggy last show. We're not even near that yet. Is that what we wanted? I yeah. want 30. We will not give you seggies until 30 people have It couldn't um, have been easier. In. What are you doing at home? <laughs> go back and listen to it. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. Um, next week we'll be back with a full show, full seggies. I think we're doing something about... I, here's, so we, a, here's a clue. Mary Poppins boobies. <laughs> <laughs> in the meantime, on behalf of myself, we, we, uh, we give endless thanks to Kevin Nealon for spending time with us. Catch him May 18th at the, uh, the club at Treasure Island if you live in Tampa Bay. Otherwise, look at his official website for tour dates. Sean Daly and I, with his big red nose, we remain here, <laughs> hopelessly stuck in the 80s.
Stuck in the 80s is produced by the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for the music for the opening credits. Read our blog at TampaBay.com slash blogs slash 80s. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. That's good. Yeah, it's, it's good. a little clunky, but who cares? I don't either. think it's clunky at all. You know, I think it's clunky. Your hairdo today. <laughs> yeah, it is looking a little. Uh, it's like I don't even brush it anymore.